0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Transform TV podcast series. Today, we've got an exciting guest, and I'll let him introduce himself briefly, but I will tell you that we are joined today by Marcos Paganini, who is the Vice President of Global Manufacturing Strategy and Deployment at Johnson & Johnson Consumer Health. Marcos, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Absolutely. It's my my pleasure to be here.
0: Well, why don't don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and um, your journey so far, you know?
1: Yes, so as you uh, you will realize, uh, I'm not a native English speaker, right? So uh, I was born in Brazil and raised in Brazil and um, I'm an industrial engineer and I've done all my career in operations. So that's what I love. That's the only thing I know how to do well. And I think I've been in operations more than that, 30 years you now. And, and I had the privilege to be in many different countries, companies, situations, cultures, and, and the like. So I spent uh, my first 10 years at Fiat Automotive in Italy. Then I joined McKinsey Consulting. Uh, fantastic experience, three years in the States uh, doing operations as well, uh, mostly for service industry. Um, then I joined Newell Rubbermaid, an American company, consumer goods, and um, we are moved to then eventually to Paris, um, uh, and then out of there, finally, I moved to uh, j j where I've been for 14 years. It's been quite a journey, fantastic company, fantastic culture, and through j I had the chance to be also in different situations, functions, and regions including um, uh, EMEA and uh, Asia-Pacific and the Americas. And now I'm back uh, to Switzerland, which is uh, my my home base now, and uh, leading uh, global strategy and deployment for consumer health uh, business in the the manufacturing space.
0: So how has manufacturing changed? I mean, it's a very big loaded question, but how do you think manufacturing has changed since you got started? You know, what, what are the things that are going on? What are
1: you seeing? Uh, It is a big question, right. Uh, I tell you one thing, I think the 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 concepts of doing good manufacturing has not really dramatically changed, you know, Uh, so the concept of getting the right things done from the source, the right design, integrated approaches, deliver the right product in the right time with the right quality, so all that stuff. Is, um is been quite the same since honestly uh Toyota launched Toyota production system and we all tried to copy it you no know? uh, now what's changed really is of course technology you no know, that supports that and in the market you no know, uh that gets more and more competitive and more and more dynamic you know. but that's what I would say you no know, the concepts are very similar but it's getting more and more dynamic and complex you no know?
0: There's a lot of talk about smart manufacturing. You know, it seems that that's, that's a, well, it's, it's not a new talk, isn't it? We've been talking about smart manufacturing for some time. My question to you is, what does it mean to you? And, and secondly, um, does it have different definitions or different meanings to different
1: people? Yeah, yeah absolutely, yes. I, well, and that's a topic I have passion for. I've studied that since my graduation, my master's, MBA, and the like, and I continue to do so. I, I like to do uh, researches and be too connected to academia. So first thing, I, I am always very uh, skeptical of buzzwords, right? So mm. uh, I think we need to have the concepts and put things in the right uh, context. Um, so this thing about a revolution, I, uh, that's what I don't get it, right? I think it's more like an evolution um, in, in which has to do with the different Segments, industries, and situations that you are in, right? Um, so it, it's a build-up process, you know, uh That you need to respect, you no? Know? So that's how I see, you no? Know, uh, technology and smart manufacturing. So uh, the, the 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 terminology called smart manufacturing nowadays is used and abused, right? Because of technology, right? And Industry four that was launched, you no? Know? But I, I think it's all about doing the right things with the, in the right time. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like the old saying, you know, it's not about working hard, it's about working smart, right? So the question is whether or not smart manufacturing is a technological thing, or is it a combination of technology and people?
1: Yes, that's correct. I, uh, what I always tell my people, right, and I think it's all about the right purpose. Technology does not exist uh, to be served. It exists to serve. That's a very important concept. Huh? So technology will not replace your uh, operating model, no? uh, your operating system, and 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 that's not new, by the way. When I even early days in my career, I'm talking more than 30 years ago, that was already a dilemma, no? Because technology has always been right in and out with cycles, no? And already at that time, we had many waves of technologies, no? Now, of course, we have a big wave coming closer to consumers and co- closing to dynamic supply chains. And, uh, but at that time, there was a lot of technology development no? within the walls of manufacturing. Um, and that cannot be the end. No, uh, That is the means to, do, to get something. So depending on how you operate, you will select the right technology to support you. So it's the wrong, it's really wrong to start by the solution and the tools without knowing the problem you are trying to solve.
0: But do, do you think that that happens a lot? I mean, I know I encounter it a lot when I interview people uh, and I talk to people. It's as though they're pursuing technology for the sake of technology and not necessarily looking at what question they're looking to solve, right? You know, where does the customer fit in all of this? Where do the, you know, the employees, where does the business side of things fit into all this? Do you encounter that or have yeah. you in your, in your experience?
1: It happens every day. It happens every time in my company, my team, outside. It happens every time, you know. Um, And and I tell you, one of the phrases I most repeat in my life and my career is, uh, wait, wait, wait. What is the problem you're trying to solve? And then when you ask this simple question, people step back and say, gee, how do you answer that? Right? It's very easy to say, well, I need a new technology, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and this and this and that. By the way, many of these are new awards for old things. And um, But what is the problem? And that's not an easy uh, thing to answer because understanding the problem and understanding what you want to get is halfway of the solution to tell you. Right? So, Um, And then technology will come and, of course, will, if if positioned in the right way, will deliver great results. So let's talk about customer
0: centricity for a second. You know, uh, you talked at the beginning about buzzwords and about how, you know, there's so many buzzwords out there right now. Um, Customer centricity is a concept that people have been talking about for some time. How many companies do actually put the customer at the heart of their business processes, at the heart of their uh, structure? Um, Is that something that a leader has to struggle with or continue to define on a day-to-day basis
1: with their teams? Uh, What's your take on this? It is, right? Well, first, just think about the concept of customer-supplier relationship. Um, In big corporations, you cannot forget that you have uh, uh, dozens of relationships that are customer and supplier relationships. It's not only about your end customer, right? First, there is this thing, of course, that nowadays is getting less linear, right? And more interconnected as we we like to say, but uh, first thing is not uh, a single customer uh, notion, right? There are many uh, interconnections. Uh, Now, the second concept is that while technology in the past was pretty much focused in in the upstream uh, steps of your value chain, Now technology has been uh, uh, deployed pretty much to uh, customers and consumers. So they have enhanced with their smartphones, uh, something that extremely powerful, right? I was reading the other day, I think the the power of a a mobile phone nowadays is 10 times higher than uh, the Apollo uh, mission to to the moon right so yeah I read that, that I read that too you know <laughs> it's, it's fascinating right to think about that right so through that thing uh, uh, consumers can get lots of connections knowledge interfere in the process suggesting the process right uh, and that can be good and bad by the way because it can create many waves no uh, uh, in volatility in the supply chain but Uh, The great thing about technology is that it can help companies, right, and teams to get closer to your consumers and your users, right? In the past, that was very sequential, right? You would produce, put your products in stock, and then those distributors or uh, other uh, middlemen would then sell to uh, end customers, right? So this is uh, over, right? So now these groups are much closer together and you can understand your target groups with much more uh, science, no? And, and um, yeah, and intimacy, I would say, right?
0: And, and do you, you know, one of the things, I wanna take it back to talk about COVID because clearly this is something that is having an impact on, on all of us and will continue to do so for some time. Um, what is the, what have you felt the impact of COVID has been so far on the smart manufacturing journey?
1: Well, that's a big topic in itself, right? We've been all there and uh, including myself, my teams and uh, and my colleagues outside, you know? uh, First thing we need to say, right? It's been a major human tragedy so far, right? And there are many aspects of that. Uh, But of course, from bad things, there are also good things that happen, right? um one of end we all know that uh, technology has been accelerated and and why because companies has have taken more risks that's 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 one thing right um and and second because of the necessity so uh, i remember in the beginning right we are, there were complete lockdowns uh we could not go to the sites so i personally used to go to sites very often you know uh, almost every other week you No. Know? Um, and my teams as well. And uh, all of a sudden, that was cut. And, and people on the sites had to figure out, right? With all, of course, the safety and protection that we need to guarantee, but then they had to figure out. What that means is that it, it, uh, the answer uh, of, uh, this is not my job was over, right? Because you happen to be in a site with half of your team and your experts, and you, you get to, think, to have uh, things done. So what I see that people experimented, one is the acceleration in, in technology, the other is, is a management culture as well. So we, we had to trust and empower our teams no, to take decisions. And I tell you, that's been a fascinating story, right? To see that, because uh, I always believe it, right? On the shop floor and the bottom up on the empowerment of our teams. And and many times, to be honest, right, we are in the way, right, of of, uh, letting them go, right, and give them freedom to experiment. And and this has been, for me, a fascinating story. And and J&J has not been different than uh, many other great companies. And we've been succeeding thus far.
0: That's a really interesting point that you bring up there. I think that a lot of things are going to be written, and they already are, probably about the digital transformation or the acceleration of technology during COVID, uh, but probably less so on the leadership implications uh, or the implications COVID has had on leadership, right? Uh, The great social experiment of working from home is working. Uh, The fact that we're letting our teams do things, we're empowering them to do things more so than ever before. So, it's a really, really valid point that you bring up there, Marcus. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, seeing that kind of advancement is pretty, pretty uh, powerful. How do you think it's going to change your leadership style moving forward? I mean, because it's not moving away, is it? We're not, it's not going away.
1: No, no, absolutely. I think uh, it, it, it is and will make us leaders, I think, more conscious of uh, the value of empowerment. That's, that's one thing um the 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 need to trust our um our uh, organization uh so um the the value of diversity and inclusion as an example right uh this thing about inclusion has been experienced no during this mm-hmm. time um uh because you have you we've had to take the most of everybody you know despite of styles and uh, ethnicities and gender and the like and this collective uh, approach has granted uh, fantastic results you know? so there are uh, huge uh, learnings for all of us you
0: no know? i think if, if we go to the diversity and inclusion conversation um how how do you think that has or I guess what's your your position on on this clearly you've been someone that has been wanting to have teams with more diversity and inclusion what's been the value add for you and uh and is that something that you're looking to empower other leaders within J&J and beyond
1: oh yeah that's a topic I have really passion I lead that I've been in many countries and cultures and uh and i can i can really tell you that i see the great value one one thing is to see the value and utility of that the other is really a moral responsibility you know towards that and um we are long way huh? long way we as society right so today we talk a lot about diversity right there are laws for that there are rules for that in companies uh, and the like but inclusion i think it's the biggest challenge right I like the phrase that the other day we were discussing in a workshop that uh, diversity is like being invited to the party, right? But inclusion is being invited to dance. And, and you need to pay attention, right? It's not about bringing to your teams what you believe is diversity. If, if people are not having the right participation, right? And being invited to dance as, as, as we call it. And I think that's the biggest challenge because what is the thing behind that? There is something that is called unconscious bias, right? Yes. And 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 Maria, we we are we we are born with this, right? We've been progressed generations and generations, right? And we need to talk about that. I tell you, I come from Brazil. I grow up in Brazil, right? In the, in a country that has had the uh, the, the the largest, the longest uh, slavery in the world, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Uh, two thirds of slaves in the world ended up in, in Brazil. Now, wow. it's a country that, yeah, and, and, and you're gonna see that in factories and society and everywhere. And because we go there and we see a very mixed society, right, uh, Brazil is not segregated, no? Like a uh, few mm-hmm. countries, right? it's very mixed society. We have this false impression that it's, it's all fine, no. No, so the segregation is subtle there. It's, it's invisible, and we need to fight about that, no? Because honestly, we've been privileged, no? Uh, in this world to be uh, in, 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 uh, in the situation we are in, right? And we need to recognize that, be aware of that, and fight against that every day. And I tell you, every day, because this thing about program unconscious bias will be with us until we die.
0: You, you know what marcos i i read an interesting article about this that was an eye-opener for me a while ago about how even groups of minorities are generally uh, they have this unconscious bias so women towards women uh you know minorities towards minorities and i realized that even i w- w- as a manager myself was favoring men more in certain s- situations than i was women and i if you had asked me i would have said i would never do that and then i realized that I actually was, I was thinking things. So this isn't something that is just for a certain type of individual. This is everyone is subject to this kind of thing. So I really, really love what you just said there about how it's not just about inviting people to the party, it's about asking them to dance
1: as well. Maria, it's every day. It happens every day. And the reality is that life is not static. Life is dynamic, right? And when it's dynamic, you don't really stop to think and do right? You act as your brain tells you to do, right? And, and what you just said, you know, if you look in companies, right, and you imagine a leader, what comes to your mind, right? It's a man.
0: Yeah, right? it's a, mostly a white, middle-aged, you know, uh, man with a, yeah. with a certain ba- educational background, et cetera. You're absolutely right. Yes, that's or, generally
1: what happens. To display a masculine result, right? Mm-hmm. This is a strong leader, when you think about yes. strong leader that takes decision, what is that? It's a masculine yeah. result, right? Yes. That is the the style, and and this is unconscious in our mind, right? Yeah. Um, which is we we talk in here, we say it's an absurd, right? But it's the reality, and we need to fight against that everything. Yeah,
0: I think I think you're absolutely right, and and I think that you know you you talked for when we started talking about COVID, we talked about how. It's been a human tragedy. It continues to be a human tragedy. It's an economic tragedy. But like you said, within tragedies, there are opportunities. Um, you could argue or people have, can argue that digital transformation is going to be an opportunity that comes out of COVID. Uh, new leadership styles, new working styles, maybe new business models, maybe sustainable, more sustainable business models. Uh, maybe more diversity and inclusion, especially given that you can work from home and there's more flexibility. Do you think that, that this could give uh, a voice to people that perhaps wouldn't have had the opportunity to, to work in smart manufacturing or
1: other types of positions? Yeah, no, absolutely. You, you get much more access, right? And that's where I think supply chain plays a big role. We, we in supply chain manufacturing, we deal with people, right? We mm-hmm. transform lives, I tell you, what I am today, I am thanks to the, the privilege to be working in supply chain operation my whole life. That has changed me, and I've changed people uh, many times. So I have a big responsibility, right? I tell you many times when I come back home and I, I've been in manufacturers and the like, my wife says, well, sometimes you look at, you, you talk on the phone and you you sound like a psychologist. I said, but that's the point, no? Uh, we are humans, no, and we need, we are transforming lives, no, and we are giving hope. Uh, and same goes for careers, right? And mm-hmm. developments. Uh, yes, we have a big responsibility for that. And to your point, I think now there is a big opportunity, right? Uh, for people to learn new things and experiment new things. Um, and, and I personally always believe that value is created where action is happening. So yeah. um, supply chain, and I, I, you know, sometimes people are surprised when I say that supply chain is not made at offices, right? This is waste. Honestly, this is waste. When we are sitting in an office, it's waste because supply chain and value is created where things are happening, are in factories and suppliers and distributors and and so on and so forth. So I believe that that's where the opportunity is. And that's where we need to develop our people so that they can uh, do different things and more things and uh, more creative things, No,
0: What are the opportunities of, for supply chain uh, in, in the short term, do you think? You know, what, what are the things that you see coming down the line uh, for supply chain?
1: Yeah, well, I tell you the, big, the biggest opportunity and threat that I see in supply chain and manufacturing is uh, really sustainability. Circular, okay. this is a big thing, you know? Um, yeah, we have the uh, uh, technology revolution as we call now. We've had many other things. We have competition, we have volatility, we have resilience, we have all these things. And uh, we are here, we supply chain leaders, right? And business leaders are here to address that and grab the opportunities but sustainability and circular economy is really a different animal. Uh, yeah. to be. And we need to respect that and we need to do much, much more than what we've been doing so far.
0: I wanna ask you briefly about fraternity without borders. Uh, I know that you do a lot of uh, humanitarian work and I wanna hear a little bit about it, about the picture behind you. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, no. Thanks for asking, because that I get really emotional when I hear that, and you see my background. Uh, this this has been my gift this year. You no, know? so uh, many tragic things happened this year, but I received a gift, right? I'm I'm taking much more than what I'm giving, to be honest. Uh, this year, I uh, by coincidence and chance, I got to know Fraternity Without Borders, an entity that is uh, Brazilian born, but with many projects in Africa and some in Brazil. And that's where I got the access or more the awareness and chance to see the reality of life um, where we don't see. And, and Maria, honestly, if you uh, turn on the TV, right, during this whole year, right, and even now, what do you see? You're going to see lots on COVID, of course, lots of, of uh, on financial crisis. Lots on politics, but you're not going to see people dying in Africa, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to see, right, the harsh side of the story. And and and, and then I decided to uh, to get engaged, right? And I've been engaged for uh, for almost ten months now, and lots of campaigns and things, right? Really transforming lives. and, and my biggest surprise is that it takes very very little to change people's lives. You know, and that's my biggest uh, learning this year, that it takes a bit of... Uh, look, Maria, I, you know, people like you and me, right? Uh, we've been gifted, right? In our lives, but also we have gifts, right? About yeah. communication, changing, intellectual capacity and the like. So we've do, we, we, we do fantastic things in our families and uh, companies, right? Um, so imagine if we use a fraction of these, no? to help others the impact that we can have in other people's lives you no know? so um, and many people joined this journey with me and that's what I said I said the best way I can I can increase and in, uh, this chain is to invite more people right that I know uh, from my company outside family you know? and today uh, step by step we ended up creating a chain of uh, 400 people uh wow like me and you that decided yeah. to engage um, and it's been an, an exciting journey right so we, we every 15 days or so we share experiences and, uh, and, and we, uh, we launch new campaigns and uh, it's been uh, as I said I've been receiving much more than what I'm giving.
0: And if our if our network would want to know more about this, how do they uh, how do they find out more about Fraternity Without Borders?
1: Well, first thing is very easy, right? Go to my LinkedIn. You're going to see lots of posts on there, uh, Marcos Paganini, and you're going to see, right? Uh, you can you can't you can't fail. And but of course that if you go and uh, uh, and Google uh, Fraternity Without Borders, you're going to see lots of uh, of uh, links to that. You no, know? uh, but. I, I would love to, uh, to, to be connected on that and to, uh, and to bring more people to the, to the journey.
0: And so let, let's, let's go back for, to supply chain and manufacturing briefly for sort of the, the last bit of questions. What, what advice would you give to leaders in supply chain and manufacturing today uh, where, you know, it's, it's complicated. It's right now we're, we're filming this, it's winter. It's, you know, there's a new variant, there's a, a lot of stuff happening, and um, Brexit, and, you know, the economy, new president of the United States, there's, there's a whole lot of things happening. So I imagine a supply chain and manufacturing leaders there, there's a lot of concern. All of that, plus the opportunities of digital transformation, new leadership styles, customer centricity, new technology. Give us your parting words and of advice for leaders of uh, in supply chain manufacturing.
1: Yeah, supply chain is a complex world, right? So we learn to deal with that, no? And uh, now I think a few things, no? That I've practiced in my life and I continue, right? So first thing in supply chain, supply chain is, is something that we, we need to always optimize systems, right? So the ability to see the whole zoom out Is fundamental right so that you you see all the pictures together and we try to connect the dots that's one thing second supply chain is is, however, made of uh, flawless execution. So you will put all these pieces together within the context and the vision that is created, you can never forget about the vision right otherwise these pieces when you put together they're not going to make the whole that you thought you would get that's the second thing. The th- third that I always say, it's all about rigor. Um, yes, uh, we do practice compassionable, right? Uh, compassionate mm-hmm. in the supply chain and approach, but you cannot mislead with, uh, with the need to have rigor. You know? uh, we deal with lots of variables and we need to make sure that we are doing the right things. And when we don't, that we learn uh, uh, from, the, uh, from the mistakes. My final point is keep an eye on why you're doing things. Now, it's all about customer, right? And, and value added activities. No, even today, beginning of my career, we would do value stream mappings, right? And then map all the activities you do. Huh? Guess what? You would sum all these activities in time and number of activities, and you would say, "Wow, gee, I'm only value, adding value to my uh, customers at 10% rate." Guess what? Today is the same. It continues to be the same. We continue yeah. to, if you put together everything you do, you add very little value uh, to, to, to to customers, right? From the eyes of the customers, right? So we need to make sure that it's uh, it all connects. Now, and this is important that you understand your value chains and that you, you understand the configurations of your value chains and how you're adding value for each of these configurations now. And my final point is that, which is fantastic, it's that manufacturing and supply chain is really back, right? And I think it is now the competitive advantage of most companies and in most companies supply chain and manufacturing is the business, right? So um, if, uh, if you are young talent and thinking uh, what to study, I invite you to study manufacturing and operations because this is, uh, this is the future. That's exciting
0: absolutely it's exciting times absolutely completely agree marcus this has been a fantastic conversation i think you've given us a great deal to to talk about to to digest really and to uh hopefully we'll we'll see you again we'll meet again and uh hear more about all the work that you're doing in the meantime stay safe and healthy uh for those of you that are watching transform tv thank you so much we appreciate your time and we'll see you at the next podcast (laughs)